0: Proverbs chapter 31, and we're going to be in verses 10 through 31. These are the closing verses of the book of Proverbs. And in fact, today we are closing our series called Walk in the Way of Wisdom. We're closing our series on the Proverbs. And we're going to do it in the same way that Solomon chose to do it by meditating on this passage. And so as you open your Bibles and you turn there, depending on the translation of the Bible that you're reading, uh, the heading above verse 10 of chapter 31 uh, identifies what follows like this. In the e- uh, English Standard Version, it says, The woman who fears the Lord. The NASB, the New uh, uh, New, uh, New American Standard Bible, uh, uh, says that this is a description of a worthy woman. It's a little bit different. And then in the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which is a wonderful translation, uh, it says, in praise of a capable wife. You see, each one of these has a little bit of a different emphasis. And then finally, in the NIV, which which some of us uh, use, that's another very worthy translation, it says, epilogue. Epilogue, the wife of noble character. And so, uh, these are uninspired words uh, written and added by the Bible editors of your particular translation. And they, they put these words there to, to uh, help us as readers understand where the natural breaks are in the, in the subject matter and, and uh, so on of, of a, of between the passages. And it also helps us to understand a little bit about what each section of Scripture is about. And so our passage in Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10, surely speaks of a woman of noble character, of a, about a woman who fears the Lord, a very capable wife, a wife who has noble character, certainly. But who exactly is she? This is one of the questions we've always got to ask uh, when we're reading our Bibles. We want to ask Uh, these kinds of questions because it causes us to dig a little deeper into the well of the wisdom of God in this case. And the answer to that question is going to surprise many of us who are very familiar with this passage because what we're expecting to hear is that this is a sermon about, and a passage about uh, being a good wife, right? Well, these 22 verses that close the book of Proverbs... While they certainly do contain wonderful lessons about a wife who, uh, and, 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 how, and who she should be when she fears the Lord, the primary focus is not about my excellent wife or yours. These verses are primarily about the great benefits of living in union, as it were, with wisdom. That is the kind of godly wisdom that comes as verse 7 of chapter 1 Uh, set the tone for us, a wisdom that comes from the fear of the Lord. So more than anything, uh, this passage that closes the book of Proverbs actually ties the whole book together. This isn't a random passage about a wife. Uh, This closing passage is about the woman wisdom who we first met all the way back in chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of uh, the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? You see, she's speaking to people like us. How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. In other words, we'll become men and women of godly wisdom. We became very well acquainted with this woman wisdom and also her nemesis, the woman folly, throughout the first nine verses of, of first nine chapters of, of Proverbs. And so very consistently the woman wisdom over and over again repeats her call numerous times to fear the Lord, to listen to her life-giving wisdom. And all the while, the woman folly is calling us to do the opposite. The woman folly tries to lure us away from God into foolishness and ungodliness and destruction. And in chapter 8, we even learn something really remarkable about wisdom. And that is, we learned that wisdom is the founding principle on which God has built the entire universe. So wisdom is extremely important to God. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. The me here is wisdom, personified as a woman. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. And then in verses 30 and 31 of chapter 8, then I, wisdom, was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And so wisdom is the foundation of creation who existed before creation. Wisdom is the foundation of creation and wisdom is the foundation for our lives. It only makes sense. She, as wisdom is personified, is meant to glory in God's creation and to delight in humankind. And that is what a person, of course, receives wisdom by reverent fear of God. That's what delights her, is when we receive her wisdom. And so since wisdom is the founding principle of creation, it only follows then that only a fool, whether that fool be a man or a woman, only a fool would reject her. Because to do so is to, well, it's to reject the fundamental structure of the universe as God has created it. And it's to fall to the devious and dangerous deception of the woman folly who always leads a person to ruin and destruction and death. For instance, in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. For her house, that is the woman, fo- woman folly's house, her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Now, we've last encountered the woman wisdom, on the other hand, in chapter 9, which Jimmy read just a couple minutes ago. And this is where she sets the stage for all of us uh, to receive all of those numerous bits of wisdom uh, that we find in the rest of Proverbs. All those individual Proverbs that begin in in the next chapter, in chapter 10. And so in chapter 9, verse 6, she, she again implores us, leave your simple ways and live. You see, there's always a life-giving aspect to wisdom. Leave your simple ways and live if you, and walk in the way of insight. If you do, man, you're really going to have a rich life. But if you reject God's ways, well... You already already know the answer to that. And so then, uh, in chapter 9, wisdom declares essentially her covenant with those who leave their simple ways and follow her. Verses 10 and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, she's driving that point home. It all begins with your love of God. It all begins with your devotion to him and your obedience to him. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Of course, we can take the opposite and find out what that means. The lack of fear of the Lord is the beginning of foolishness. And lack of knowledge of the Holy One is ignorance. Absolute ignorance. And so then in verse 11, uh, the woman wisdom uh, declares, for by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. That's a guarantee that wisdom is for our good. And so, fast forward all the way to chapter thirty-one. All past, and we go through all of those those individual proverbs all the way to chapter thirty-one. And we can almost picture the scene in Solomon's hopeful mind. You remember, he's, he's addressing his son with this book of Proverbs. In the chapter 1, he lays out that he's speaking to his son and, and hoping that his son will embrace godly wisdom. And so, in his mind, he pictures his son as having turned at the woman wisdom's reproof. In other words, he's accepted and embraced wisdom, and he's committed himself to her. His relationship to her is similar to the marriage covenant between a man and a woman. Wisdom becomes, in Solomon's mind, an excellent wife who benefits his son greatly. As she fulfills all of her promises to him, Those promises of a life that is multiplied and enriched by her noble character. And so the woman wisdom in the first nine chapters and the excellent wife of chapter 31 share many of the same qualities. Both are more precious than jewels, both bring material gain. And and wives throughout Proverbs are also spoken of using similar language to Proverbs 31. They build houses, they take care of households, for instance. And the point of all of this is that this sets us up to understand the analogy that's in the closing verses of the book of Proverbs. When we heed wisdom's call, she, wisdom, is as much of a blessing as an excellent wife is. Perhaps even more so. And so as we turn to our passage, it's, it's not clear who exactly the author is. It seems like it might be King Lemuel. Uh, but we're not particularly sure of that it might not be they might be solomon's words we just don't know but what we do know is that the holy spirit guided solomon even if he didn't write these words he guided solomon to choose these uh, to choose this beautiful poem intentionally is the conclusion to this amazing collection of proverbs to drive home uh, his point that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that those who heed her call are truly blessed. And so these verses are are beautiful uh, Hebrew poetry. It's a marvelous bit of what's called acrostic poetry. Now you know a 60-cent word. Acrostic poetry is when each line of, of, or each verse begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet in succession. We would say A is for apple, B is for boy, C is for cat. Well, this is a much more elaborate and beautiful poem than that, but that's the idea of it. And this technique is used not only for the sake of style, but also so that it can be easily memorized and remembered. And so here's what we're going to learn today. When we commit ourselves to godly wisdom, she blesses us with goodness and life just as any good wife does. The woman wisdom in verses 10 through 12 is virtuous. That is, she is a woman of high moral standards, godly moral standards. And then in verses 13 through 24, we see a long passage where we see how productive she is. In verses 25 through 27, we see that she is of impeccable character. And then finally, in verses 28 through 31, we see how worthy of praise she is. And so allow me to read for us. I'm going to read the the, the whole passage for us. It's a a little long, but I think we need to hear it uh, all in total uh, together as a whole. And so here is the word of the Lord as we find it in Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders in the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and teaching the kindness, the and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you per- surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. The word of the Lord, brothers and sisters. May God add his blessing to the reading, the hearing, and as always, the understanding of his word. And so let's let's start here with the fact that the woman wisdom is a wife of virtue in verses 10 through 12. An excellent wife who can find. She's more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Now, the, the first thing we need to understand is that the Hebrew word for excellent excellent, uh, has to do with virtue. <laughs> there's, no, there's a concept that's not super popular uh, these days. Uh, people want to define virtue for themselves. But this is a woman of virtue uh, whose uh, morals are defined by God. Uh, her morals uh, are very high. Her standards are extremely high. They are as high... As God has placed them. And so the woman wisdom is virtuous. She's the exact opposite of the woman of folly in chapter 5. The adulterous forbidden woman whose lips drip honey. Beginning in verse 3 of chapter 5. And her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. You see, the woman, Folly's word comes from the devil. Her words come from the devil, who Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 44, does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in them. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. How often have you and I Listen to the father of lies instead of God's words of wisdom. Did God really say not to eat of that tree? You see, it started all the way in the beginning, didn't it? Ah, go ahead, click that link. It'll make you feel good. You know, your husband, he, he doesn't really deserve grace this time, does he? On the contrary, the virtuous wife, the woman wisdom answers all of those things very differently in those circumstances that we find ourselves. She will always point the way toward honesty and morality and faithfulness to God. And so she says, yes, God really did say not to eat of that tree. So trust in him. You don't need to understand why. Follow hard after, following hard after Christ is a whole lot better than that link. I guarantee it. No, your husband doesn't deserve grace. You're absolutely right. But since grace was freely given to you, you should show him what it's like. You see, This is where the woman wisdom will always lead us, to life in Christ, abundant, rich, wonderful life. It is always better to obey Christ than to go against him. And this is also where the woman you walk down the aisle with, or someday that you will walk down the aisle with, this is the same place the woman uh, who you're married to can also lead you. Wives, I, I don't know if some of our wives understand or can comprehend this, but let me just say it as a man. Your high morals and your stick uh, with your high morals have a huge impact on your husbands. They really do. Deep down, I think every husband wants that because we need uh, that help and that rudder in our lives to keep pointing us in the right way. And after all, they need you to be faithful to God as an example as much as you need their example and their faithfulness to God because you desire to look to them as your spiritual leader. But back to verse 10. This seeking hard after virtue is what makes the woman wisdom so valuable, isn't it? Just as my wife is worth a whole lot more than any of the material things that this world can offer because of her virtue, the fact that the the woman wisdom always leads us in paths of righteousness makes her so, so infinitely valuable. And she does that by keeping our attention focused on God. Wisdom literally keeps us alive, both spiritually and physically. Psalm 1, 6, says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. To go another way than the way of God is extremely dangerous, and it only has one outcome. And so the woman wisdom's virtue makes her incredibly trustworthy. As verse 11 of our passage says, The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain. Verse 12 goes on to say that the wife, the the woman wisdom, the excellent wife, will always bring good into his life. And her husband recognizes her value. He puts uh, his trust in her. Because he knows that she's going to keep her promises of life in blessing. And of course she does. She does. She proves uh, her her trustworthiness on a daily basis. And so that's a lesson for us as husbands, that we need to trust and value our wives in the course of our own lives. And we need to let them know that we do trust them, that we do value them. And so next we see a very long passage about how productive the excellent wife is in verses 13 through 24. You see, she takes care of her own. You remember how uh, she invited us into her home several times in the first nine chapters. Those of us who responded to her invitation really end up being her family, the ones she cares for. And that's the picture of our passage in Proverbs 31. And so in chapter 9, she promises us life-giving feast. She'd, she offered for us to come and sit at her finally appointed table for a superb feast of meat and bread and wine. And that feast, in fact, was the rest of Proverbs. All of those, all of those uh, valuable and godly insights into life that began in chapter 10. These, these valuable bits of wisdom that guide us along the way of wisdom in our lives. And so now we see in chapter 31 how that nourishment benefits us because we've picked up the fork and the knife and we've enjoyed the meal that she's prepared for us. And so just as a productive wife sets about her duties in life willingly and cheerfully, doing all the things that provide a good home and a good home life for her whole family, the woman wisdom all always fulfills her duties in our lives. I mean, all we got to do is look at the incredible verbs about this woman in verses 13 through 24. This helps us to understand the scope of her faithfulness and the very hard work that she does to produce what her family needs. This is a picture of of how wisdom provides for us. She seeks and she works with her hands. She brings food. She rises and provides. She considers and buys. You see, she's very smart. She knows what she's doing. And she plants a vineyard by hand. She dresses herself with strength, physical strength and moral strength. She perceives She's she's sensing the things around her. She, She reaches out her hands to the spindle and the distaff to make thread. Likewise, she also reaches out her hands and opens her hands to the poor and the needy. She's full of compassion. She's prepared for all kinds of weather, for all kinds of circumstances. And in fact, her family never goes cold because she makes fine clothes for them to keep warm. She makes what she needs and dresses in a very classy and dignified way. And she makes money with the surplus that she's made. In other words, she's an awfully busy lady, isn't she? She's an awfully busy person. She is a woman of action verbs. <laughs> she's 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 more super human than the Wonder Woman. And the picture that's being painted here of the woman wisdom is that when we commit ourselves to her, she commits herself to us just like in marriage. In turn, she produces the same productive work ethic in us too. We can't help it as we learn wisdom. We learn to quit being lazy spiritually and physically and and learn to be engaged in life to our fullest extent. We become doers of God's word and not hearers only. And we become wise. We become wise. We learn from uh, her benefits. And we grow and deepen our relationship with the Lord because God is constantly revealing his wisdom to us. It's so heartbreaking, isn't it, to watch a person reject godly wisdom? This can happen whether we're an unbeliever or not. Because, you see, one of the hallmarks of of a believer is joy, isn't it? Paul's blessing in Romans fifteen thirteen reminds us of that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. There's a whole lot of life in that, isn't there? There's a whole lot of joy in knowing God through Jesus Christ. But a person who has never feared the Lord reverently simply cannot experience that joy. And neither can we if we abandon godly wisdom. Now I'm thinking here this morning of a of a man I know and love dearly who is outside this fellowship. He abandoned God a few years ago and he also abandoned his wife. And you can just see on him the weight. You can see the burden he's carrying. He, He has very little joy in his life. I think he thinks he's happy, but you can see that there's not the same kind of joy as someone who receives God's wisdom and lives according to it. And so the excellent wife, the woman wisdom, uh, when we're faithful to her, supplies all of our needs. She makes our lives rich with a superb feast of wisdom. Wisdom causes us to produce in eternal ways. Wisdom calls us to be patient and long-suffering with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then, when we are, we get to see the miracle of a life that's been changed, not to mention we get to see what God does in us. We get to see the improvement that has come by the power of his gospel. Wisdom calls us, calls us to, to speak in a God-honoring way. Wisdom calls us to demonstrate the humility of Christ. And also to yield our plans to his will, cheerfully, joyfully, with the desire that his will be done and not our own. Wisdom calls us to be people of integrity and responsibility. Wisdom calls us to trust God in all things. And so the excellent wife produces in us the very thing that we need for life. And that is the desire for wisdom. She provides for us practically as well. In this little vignette of the excellent wife, we also learn a thing or two about husbands and wives, don't we? But we've got to be careful here whenever we apply this to, to marriages directly. Because the excellent wife's productivity and busyness is absolutely superhuman in, in this passage. I mean, just take a look with me. On the one hand, she stays up till the wee hours spinning thread, and then she gets up in the wee hours to prepare food for her family. When in the world does she sleep? There's no way that could be, right? But the point, so the point of of, of this passage isn't for for you wives to make a list of the things that that a godly wife does on a daily basis and then try to Try to do all of those things, because if you do, you're going to put yourself in the hospital. And anyway, who has a loom these days? I mean, who who makes their own clothes? Very few of us. And so this doesn't mean that you've got to, to learn to weave and sew and do all of those kinds of things. The point is not that you as a wife should work your fingers to the bone every day. The point isn't that you've got to be good at making clothes or that you need a loom or, that, or, or anything else. What it means is, is that God has already gifted you and you have great things to contribute according to the gifts and talents that God has given you. And so wisdom calls you whenever you're able to be a virtuous, productive wife too. That's the point. Now, God always gives us the opportunity to be virtuous, doesn't he? And a lot of the times he gives us to be, the opportunity to be productive. And whether that's a little or, not, or a lot depends on our health. It depends on our circumstances in life. So we don't need to throw a guilt trip on ourselves about those things. The point is, is that we follow hard after God. We follow hard after his wisdom. And because of wisdom, we know that the thing that God wants us to do is to produce good things in our lives. And among them is to be a good wife to our husbands. Just as among the things that a man is to do is to be a good husband to his wife. And in fact, I think the man has the larger share uh, in that. Uh, according to Ephesians 5, because the man is called to love his wife. How? As Christ loved the church. In other words, he is called to sacrifice himself for his wife, and the wife is called to love her husband and to submit to him. Yes, but we submit to each other. We are equals. So the excellent wife is virtuous and productive. She's also got impeccable character. In verse 25, she's strong not only physically but spiritually, but she has fortitude. She knows what's right and wrong in God's eyes, and her opinion is not going to be changed by anything in this world. She also has dignity. She is worthy of esteem and respect because of her godliness. And so, brothers, do you value your wife in this way? Do you esteem and respect your wife? It's a good question, isn't it? And one that we need to revisit very often. And sometimes your wife will let you know when you're not, right? And you need to listen. We all do. We all do. But this is why we value godly wisdom so much. She'll give us the strength and the fortitude to hold fast to the truth, even in this world that is yanking on us. We're yanking on our arms and our feet, whatever they can get a hold of us. They're yanking on us as hard as they can to get us to let go of the truth, to, let it, to, to get us to let go of God, to go the way of the fool. But as John declares in 1 John 2, 23 through 25, no one one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life very similar to the promise that wisdom has made to us. Abiding in Christ means absolute commitment to Christ. It doesn't mean that we're a part-time saint, but it means that we are always devoting our lives to Jesus Christ, no matter what we're doing or where we are. And there are no equivocations, there are no additions, no subtractions, no compromises. Every bit of ourselves belong to Christ, and our will is to do his will. That is the desire of our hearts. And that is also the epitome of wisdom, to hold fast to the truth in the same way that the woman wisdom always does. And because she holds fast to the truth, she can laugh at the time to come. The future is of no great concern to her because she's already prepared. She's prepared for the future in the way that she takes care of herself and in the way that she takes care of her own. Her work is profitable, and and she plans ahead with her finances to to make more money uh, in the future in verse 16. In verse 21, not only is she unafraid of that cold weather, but she's also made fine clothes for her family so they can all keep warm. She's prepared. She's prepared, and her wisdom makes us prepared too because we know that we make our plans, but God ordains our steps. We submit our plans to the will of God, and because we trust God, because we know that he is sovereign over all things, the future doesn't scare us. And so wisdom calls us to be prepared, whether it's election day or judgment day. We put these things in his hand. Because no matter what happens, Christ is still the king. The king has redeemed us. The king is the final judge. And we who earnestly believe and have repented of our sins by the king's blood are going to live with him forever in his eternal kingdom. So why in the world, by God's wisdom, would we worry about tomorrow? No, we could laugh at tomorrow because we know he has won. He has the victory over sin and death. And so in verse 26, all of the wise, the this, the excellent wife's words are wise. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue too. This world could sure use a good bit of wise and kind words today, couldn't it? The Woman wisdom is calling us to speak those words according to the grace and mercy of our Lord. This is what Paul was telling Titus in chapter three of his letter to him, beginning in verse four. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What a fantastic privilege we have to become heirs. Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's what we want others to experience too, isn't it? What do you suppose would happen? Just think about this with me. What do you suppose would would happen if all of us believers put down our virtual megaphones and instead spoke these words of mercy and grace that we just read in Titus? What do you suppose God would do with that? I don't think it takes too great of an an imagination to understand that he would do great things with that kind of obedience, with that kind of devotion to his word. All we need is Christ, brothers and sisters, and that's the message of hope we can give to this world. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. Now, in verse 27, the woman wisdom vigilantly cares for her own. She's not lazy about it. She never stops watching out for us. She's better than any warranty. Uh, it's because, as she said in verse 11 of chapter 9, for by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. You see, when we're so in tune to, to godly wisdom by reading our Bibles and being here in fellowship with other believers and, and through prayer, The woman wisdom is ever-present with us, just like an excellent wife. But if we're not reading our Bibles, or in regular meaningful fellowship with other believers, or spending time with God in prayer, how in the world would we know wisdom? If we never spent time with our wives, we would never know our wives, would we? But of course, we spend a lot of time with them, so we know them. And so God is calling us to know his wisdom. How else are we going to get it? Is there any other source for God's wisdom? Are we going to watch the news to get godly wisdom? Are we going to listen to some YouTube influencer who's 13 years old talking about his philosophy of life? I don't think so. Any number of things. I'm just making stuff up, but these things are real in our world. It's gotten so crazy. The only way to know wisdom is through our faith in Jesus Christ. We're not going to become wise without God. It's just never going to happen. And when that's the case, when we try to forget God and do it on our own, the feast that we could have had at the woman wisdom's table becomes a bowl of cold, wet ramen noodles, just empty calories that have no lasting value. Wisdom teaches us good character, and this is also the kind of character that any godly wife should desire. Just as you wives want a husband, or potential wives want a husband of impeccable character, you should also want to be such a wife. And so what happens, though, is, you know, we get married, (laughs) the honeymoon's over, and all of a sudden we discover that neither of us is perfect. And so this is why good character for us as as fallen sinners, redeemed by the blood of Christ, but this is why our good character has always, always, always got to include the gospel. In Paul's words, the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior. That's, That's who we represent to our husbands and to our wives. And then... We see that the excellent wife is worthy of praise. She is virtuous, she's productive, she's got an impeccable character, and all of this makes her worthy of praise in the very final verses of the book of Proverbs. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. What wife would not want to hear those words? When was the last time that you told your wife that? Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Both her children and her husband in verse 28 think so highly of her that they praise her. They publicly praise call her blessed. Her husband even declares that no one else does as well in all of these things as the excellent wife. The woman wisdom's virtue, her productivity, her excellent character are worthy of praise, high praise, the highest praise. That is to say that we should never take the wisdom of God for granted. I think most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, do, at least from time to time. I mean, how often do we think we know that we're better than God, that we know better than God? How often do we think, well, I'm not really sure about about what this says in this passage here. I don't think I'm going to believe that. I'm not going to trust that. I'm going to trust, in my own opinion, about how I should handle this person or how I should uh, grow. So what we find is that rather than trusting God, we turn to our own devices. But we ought to be praising him for his wisdom because his wisdom is a gift to us. He's given it to us freely. All we got to do is receive him and receive his wisdom. You know, I, I think the best view that we have of God's gift of the woman wisdom to us, is when we look back, isn't it? We look back over our lives and we see her hands working hard in our lives. And that's when we realize that we can trust God. We see how wisdom has taken such good care of us when we've trusted her. And then also how much we've messed things up when we didn't trust her how she has produced good things in us. And even as the picture goes in, in verse 23, how, how wisdom causes us, causes us to have a good reputation in our community when the husband sits at the gates with the elders. You see, when we recognize how good of a gift God's wisdom is to us, we find praise on our lips that pour forth from our hearts. And then finally, there's this last word in verse 30 that sums up the ending to an amazing book. A woman's beauty and charm lies not in what she looks like, but in who she is. A wise woman is one who fears the Lord. And likewise, a wise man is one who fears the Lord. But here in this picture of the woman, she is the kind of woman uh, who seeks the ideals of the excellent wife, whether married or not. She strives to live according uh, to the same spirit of virtue and productivity and character. These values, by the way, are absolutely identical to the values that wisdom has been teaching us as men all through this book of Proverbs, the same lessons that Solomon has been teaching to his son. You see, there's not a different set of rules, a different set of values for men and women. We're all called to be godly, all of us. And so then in verse 31, because of the great value of wisdom, we should never take her for granted. We should praise our great God who built creation upon her foundation for his glory and for our good. But really, what does all of this mean for us? What does the book of Proverbs mean for us? I think that especially in this day and time, we believers are called more than ever to live according to the lessons that we've learned in this towering book of wisdom. Here, God has laid out everything from practical matters to spiritual matters. His wisdom, he's given it to us. We would be fools to ignore it. Because the fundamental truth is going to remain for all of eternity. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. So one of the great privileges we have as believers is to live wisely, to live our faith in Christ in a way that reveals the great wisdom of God, who in his wisdom chose to save people like us who don't deserve it by sacrificing his perfect son. That's the wisdom of God. And so as we learn to walk in that way of wisdom, even in every single area of our lives, by denying ourselves, we learn to live for God's glory and for our good. We get to contemplate and proclaim the wisdom of God into experience at first hand. You see, the fear of the Lord really is the beginning of wisdom. And I think there's no better expression of the glory of God's wisdom and of his majesty and why we serve him and why we live for him than in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God.